welcome back to the Construction Mentor Podcast. We have another one of those construction influencers today. I know all you kids out there, all you kids in high school, you want to be influencers. Well, let me tell you, this is the best way to do it. Why? Because people want value. The free market wants value. And guys like Kevin here are bringing the heat. Go check out his content at Raven Builders, at Raven Builders, all one word, no underscore or anything. Kevin is the owner of Raven Builders. He's building some gorgeous decks, for lack of a better word. These things are a goddamn work of art. I'm telling you, waterfront properties, some of them are on cliffs, all in the biggest little state in the union. Kevin's coming from Rhode Island. His specialty is decks, multi-level decks, pergolas. A lot of you probably don't know what a pergola is, but those are the fancy things like over your head outside that that uh, look pretty cool, but wouldn't stop any rain. Composite decks, railings, all that kind of stuff. Just to let you know where Kevin ranks as far as his skill goes, he got first place. He got some national recognition at the NADRA, National Debt, Debt Competition. He's been featured in Deck Specialist Magazine, Contractor's Corner. And he is one of two recipients last year or the year before for the Decorators Beyond Ordinary Award. So when it comes to decks and some high quality custom work, there is no better person to bring on to talk about that. And again, if you go check out his content at Raven Builders or go to their website, which I'm sure the link is in your bio or something, right? Is it ravenbuilders.com? It is, yeah. Com? It's uh, okay, so ravenbuilders.com. But yeah, there's Raven. uh, we got the link tree in, in Instagram. You can really go check us out all over the web, whether it be YouTube or TikTok or the website and all that, all that good stuff. It's uh, links in our Instagram bio. And listen, I'm really big into manifesting the future these days <laughs> and, and thinking about like imagining my next house. And I never thought that I'd be in the house that I'm in now at the age that I'm, I am now. But as I'm looking at this stuff and I, I made the, I did make the mistake of showing my wife. So now my wife has things in her head that we're going to have to match. Right. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe we can afford to fly you out to wherever we're at, at that point in time. But Without further ado, Kevin, welcome. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Really, I got I got to say, like I've I've really enjoyed. I've gotten a lot of value out of your content, and I really just I've been inspired, right, to kind of take a more consistent approach to trying to uh, trying to voice my experience with with being in the trades and and really like just trying to share that you know share that with not just the next generation, but really other generations that may just want to make a change or, or may have, you know, not taken cer certain opportunities or not had opportunities to really get involved in, in, in trades of some fashion. So I just, mm -hmm. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I want to say that. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I think that there's no better example than people like yourself. And we're going to get into your story and it's, it's quite an inspiring story. You've, you've had some really low lows and, and some high highs and you, you raise a good point. A lot of people, everyone knows that we need to push young people into the industry, right? Not only because we need it as a society, but because the, the young people need it. They need the opportunities to make money. I have people in my DMs all the time, as recently as today, at least a couple of times a week. How do I make a change? You know, how do I get in there? And it's important for them to know that it's never too late. Mm -hmm. um, so let's let's start at the beginning. I mean, you didn't just walk out of high school. You know, you, you didn't just decide to start posting on Instagram and all of a sudden become no. like a nationally recognized guy. And I think a lot of a lot of young people would say like Dex, like nobody woke up or nobody, no young kid wrote in their yearbook that they want to be a, a deck builder. Right? Yeah. So, so usually people kind of fall into it. So how'd you start? 
Yeah, let's start with high school because I think that's really important, right? Yeah. So I'm 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 in high school. You know, I I go in in the late '90s and come out in the early 2000s, right? And uh, and I did just literally walk out of high school, right? That's how it happened. I had you know I'd had enough. I didn't. So I didn't you're saying like you literally walked out like you didn't graduate? Did. You you walked I out the front not. door. No, I took my G I took my GD test and they gave me my high school diploma when I was 16. You gotcha. know? Okay. And, uh, and you know, back then, I don't know how it is now, but back then, if you, if you passed your GD before your class graduated, they gave you your high school diploma, mm. you know? And, and I had, you know, the situation I was in and, and I'll say it real simply, like, yes, I was, you know, I was a class clown. I was too energetic to be in a seat. I really was focused on other things besides education, I didn't take it seriously, right? I didn't put in the work. However, any class that didn't make me do my homework, I got straight A's. Any test I was given, I would ace. Mm. The ones that made me do my homework, made, you know, strict, constant assignments and this heavy workload, those were the ones that I failed out of, right? You know, I, and why do you I think failed. that was? You, you just, you, oh, you I just, I didn't apply silly. myself. I, I wasn't motivated in it, right? And it's just a really good example. It's like I failed freshman English two years in a row. I left high school. They made me write an essay for my for my GED when mm-hmm. I was 16 years old. And that essay, you know, they pretty much called me up crying, begging me to come back to school. And I and I declined. And they entered it in a contest and it won on a national level. Some sort of essay entry, right? But I had failed freshman English twice. But the, the point of this is is that, you know, although I don't, I'm not here to promote lack of public education or or really none of that, right? It just, this is my story. This is how it happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and really like I, I, you know, at 16 years old, I, I had a job. I was, I was installing cedar sidewall shakes, like working on a crew doing siding and some roofing and, uh, you know, day one, 200 bucks cash. And I was like, Ooh, so I was, now when you say cedar, I was 16 years old, making a thousand bucks a week, working 40 hours. And, 16 and, years and, old, thousand bucks a week. That's the equivalent of 50 grand a year. That's yeah, pretty that good was, for the, and, for the early 2000s. You know what I mean? And that, so that's how it happened for me. And I had some talent. I had some abilities, you know, like my father was a builder. I was around job sites. I never really worked with him much, but I kind of like rolled the job sites, rolled the truck, did stuff like that. You know, like I was familiar with, uh, you know, I liked the guys that worked on his crew. I liked hanging with them and I was attracted to it. And I worked for some guys at a young age, you know, the guy I was working for then he would bring me to the motocross track. We would do all sorts of extracurricular activities on the side of work. And I, and I really enjoyed that life, you know, but we fast forward a little bit and I was kind of, you know, had some abilities. I I became kind of in a self-employed role, you know, got, I was a registered contractor by the time I was 19 years old, probably 18 or 19 years old. And I had some success, you know, and in all throughout this entire process, I was drinking, using drugs. I had no financial response. Really like I, I, you know, I, I rolled a rough and tumble youth, right? I, I wanted to fight the system. I really you didn't spending want- everything you made. Absolutely. Absolutely. It. <laughs> Driving a $7 truck. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. was, but I'll tell you, I would make it look like I was stable really mm. my whole life. And that goes into my story is kind of where I ended up in my late twenties with really nothing 
and nowhere to go and and really not even the ability to never mind run a business, but show up at a job. Like Mm -hmm. that's where my story took me. It was pretty much, I took all the talent that I was given, all the experience that I was given, the education and construction, well-rounded, worked for an electrical company, worked for high-end custom home builders, you know, worked for renovation contractors, worked for myself, built hundreds of studio lofts, all of these kind of commercial projects, really like a lot of a wide range in construction, right? And uh, and I took all that and, and in my late 20s, I was unemployable. I was unapproachable. You know, everybody who had any sense had separated themselves from me. And I was really, I was a danger to society and I was a danger to myself. Well, you know, so I want to I want to touch on a, a few things that you just said. So, and I, I don't mean to interrupt. I just don't want to gloss over. No. Now, when you when you left, you, you f- first said, um, "How'd you put it? I don't want to advocate for leaving school, right?" And Correct. I don't think anybody's nobody's telling anybody to drop out of school. The important nope. thing was, and the positive thing was, was that your education started right away. And because you picked up a skill set, look at the money that you were able to make immediately. Twenty years ago you were making more money than college graduates make today, right? Yep. And, and a lot of that was probably cash. The, the unfortunate part is, and I think this is the major difference in your life now, wasn't necessarily about guidance. It was about purpose. You didn't have a purpose. You were angry. You wanted to fight the system. That yep. dictated how you lived your life, and it led you nowhere. And I think that one of the major problems that we have today, one of the problems that I had when I was younger, and I did well in school. I, I got a master's degree, but I was so pissed off and wanted to fight the system and buck back on everybody that I, my behavior as a result was detrimental to myself and it, it, yeah. it, it shielded me from having a purpose. And I've, I fucked up my life pretty bad because of it. Right. And I was, I've been able to recover because of a skill set, but I, I wasn't able to get on the right path until I found a purpose. And yeah. you've definitely found that. Yeah. I mean, just, I can't say enough and I'm, I'm also not going to condone, you know, becoming a wild drug addict and, and, you know, in order to find, in order to find purpose, but really like, I don't know, like, Hey, we had a, we had a tough morning this morning, right? Like blew out a tire on a trailer, picking up a machine hat needed a jump pack. Like everything was going wrong all morning. We went, we, we did this emergency job. And as we were rolling out, another mm-hmm. opportunity came in the driveway. And it was funny. We were driving down the road and one of my guys said, hey, isn't that funny how because of the couple of struggles, you know, the, the tough start we had this morning that this other shining opportunity rolled up on us. Mm-hmm. But that is my life in a nutshell, because until you've had to struggle for it, until you've had to work for it, until you've had those lows, you can't appreciate the high points. Mm. And, I, and I'll say that sometimes we forget what it really can be like if we, if we don't, you know, continue on the path and, and keep, you know, just keep applying ourselves, keep trying to grow, keep trying to learn, that kind of stuff. We can get complacent and, and forget really how good we have it. And I think that can be in any, you know, in any relationship, in any employment, in any business, really anywhere, right? Is it's, you know, until it leaves, we don't really understand how much we love it, right? But yep. for me, it's like I I've been I've been in many places and I've been in many situations. And really today it's like kind of a whole like opportunities just open themselves, right? 
but they they're not just falling in my lap because I'm lucky. They're fall these opportunities open themselves to me because I'm opening myself to them. Hmm. I'm out here chewing up everything I can get my mouth on. You know what I mean? And, and when we do that, when we attack and when we have that 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 power to just go out and try to succeed and and, and try to better ourselves on both ends is like I, I feel like those are the those are when we we receive those opportunities to keep leveling up. And by leveling up, I don't always I'm not just talking about money, right? I'm not talking about income, although that is part of it, right? Is we need to make a living to keep going. But really there's just a lot of things that I've been that I've enabled to to be present in my life because of what I've been through, because of where I came from. And and part of that is experience through despair. And part of that is just education, right? Like there's two ways we can learn. We can either listen to somebody or we can get our head cracked open. You know what I mean? And, and I've done and that's both. why we're here. That's correct. And that's that that's the point of this podcast, correct. right? And sharing yeah. these types of stories. Yeah. It's like for all the young people out there, and especially the young men, because I think the young men need it real bad right now. It's like, yeah, you're not advocating for anybody to go be a drug addict or get thrown in jail nope. or anything like that. The point is, is that you don't have to do that because you, the young person out there, does not have to do that because Kevin already did it. Kevin's here telling you what he learned, the perspective that he gained, and how 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 that affected his purpose in life, right? And, and the, the point really is, is that shit is going to happen. Right. Shit's going to happen on the driveway. Sometimes that's the universe pulling you back to wait for the right opportunity to come by or maybe danger keeps you out from danger. Right. Maybe you would have gotten a car right. accident had you gotten out of the driveway. Right. Right. It's funny how the world works like that. But we need to be prepared for when shit happens, how to handle it. Right. Because it's not if it's when shit happens and you have to have strength of mind and strength of mind comes from being in challenging situations again. Drug addiction is not a, a challenge that I want to put anybody in, but it's no coincidence that people that have been through tough challenges like that have such success afterwards. You so don't go be a drug addict, but find a way to challenge yourself. It's okay to go through failure, right? It's yeah. okay to take risks. As long as you're honestly trying to get educated, get skilled and accomplish something, it will work out for the better if you keep moving. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, like, I know some guys that are really right next to me in in this niche trade that are like 19 years old, absolutely crushing it. Hmm. You know what I mean? They skipped the 10 years of dereliction that I went through. <laughs> and these these kids are just at, these guys are absolutely crushing it. And like, I really hate to say that, like, oh, if I started what I started that but honestly, these guys are going to be, you know, they don't have families, mortgages, you know, they're not thinking about retirement yet. Like they have like cell phones and truck payments, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and oh, they're on top, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, they're on top. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an impressive thing because, you know, construction doesn't really ID people, right? Like, I don't care. Like if I'm, if I'm hiring someone for the workforce, I don't try to discriminate against age, but honestly, the younger you are, the more appealing it is to me. Mm. The younger you are, the more appealing because honestly, like I, I, you know, that can be one of the hardest things in construction is when you're building a team is to get guys to 
let go of their bad habits and, and pick up on your efficiencies and just be agreeable to the process. You know, like it's, it's such a, uh, it's just so refreshing when you find the younger generation that, that is willing to learn, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because, so I don't know if, if I've, if you know what I do, but I work for a national GC, 28 projects nationally, $10 billion company a year. I'm an executive. And I would say the same thing. I, I tell people all the time, I would rather take a young person who knows nothing, ask the right questions and can take direction and wants to learn than somebody that can build a skyscraper out of the ground and not need me because I can work with one. It can be really hard to work with another one. You know what I mean? Because they, they don't want to listen. They're set in their ways. They don't want to hear anybody else's perspective. I, I'd rather have a good attitude. And to be honest with you, in the construction industry, we don't have time to discriminate for sure. Nope. You know, like it's talent's talent. And if you're half good, I mean, you there's a need for you. We have to keep you around. Right? Yeah. A lot of times it's warm bodies. Yeah. If you show up on time, you are a strong candidate. So if you were to say, you know, and I want to get to where you, you, maybe this is where you get into where you hit your low. Where did you go wrong in your twenties? Like what was your conduct like on site where you became unapproachable and what, what behavior led? I mean, let's just cut to the chase. You went to jail, right? And you, you got a felony. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. what types of things were you doing that young people should be aware of and maybe stay away from? Well, I mean, my, my story with, with drugs and, you know, alcohol is a drug. But Mm -hmm. my story with all that was really no different than anyone else growing up, except I might have started a little earlier. And then when everybody else finished, I was never done. Mm. I did all the same drugs with the same people that went off and went to college and got jobs being lawyers and doctors and shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't really, but I didn't stop. So for me it ended up being kind of progressive process and it took a lot of years, you know, in my mid twenties, I was making money hand over fist and I just thought it was cool to like be at the beach bar all weekend, like throwing money around. Like I thought that was cool. Right. Like that, Mm -hmm. like I was always out to like impress everybody around me, kind of wear this persona that I had it going on that I was this big business owner, that I had all the money I could do whatever I wanted with, really like little responsibility. And uh, and that just didn't last, right? Because it kept progressing and I went through some injuries and, you know, and I, I never really liked op- opioids. I, I was always more of like on the, the higher end of things. Yeah, the um, upper, uppers, uppers rather than downers. Correct. Rowdy. And, and, and uh, you know, I mean, many years of that, I mean, if you want to, you know, it really was, but my, you know, my downfall was certainly, uh, was certainly a mix of many substances, but, but really where it landed me was just in this vicious cycle of in and out of these dumb little stints in jail and really just never, like, I think I got arrested for driving on suspended license like seven times or something. Wow. Like just that, like alone just shows you how unmanageable and ridiculous my life was because here we are like i've been clean for almost a decade right mm-hmm. like i'll celebrate 10 years in july and i and i i don't even know the last time i got a speeding ticket you know like all my cars are registered my insurance is dirt cheap and it's not like i like try to do that right it's just 
naturally, like, because I'm, you know, who I am now, like, I don't have issues like that, you know? So really, it wasn't me that was, you know, I wasn't intentionally being that type of way. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. what I want to say is anyways, but really, like, that is just where that's where I ended up. That was, you know, and I've done, I've done a lot of work in a 12 step recovery program. And like, we, we call that like the end of our road, right? And the end of my road, like I'll be, you know, I don't really get graphic often, right? But like the end of my road was like being let out of jail to be homeless, to like be under a bridge, sticking a dirty needle in my arm. That's where I was in my late 20s. That was the end of my road when I had nowhere else to go and I was ready to die. Like I just wanted to kill myself, but I didn't have the balls to do it. And that's where I ended up from, from drugs. You know what I mean? And and I know that's graphic and like a lot of people can't identify or relate to that. And they think that somebody who ends up there is just a scumbag. But honestly, like I, I love harder than anybody. I want to help anybody around me as much as I can. And even when I was on drugs, that was still who I was. I was just incapable of doing it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and I ended up, like you had mentioned, I, I had gotten arrested and like, I got rescued. You know what I mean? I, I, so what I, was I, it? Like, what, what was the, so, I mean, you're, you're under the bridge, right? You're homeless. This is a rock bottom, right? And you're, you're looking up. It's pretty low. It's what, pretty low. Where it's was, it's, yeah. So where was the path forward? Like, what, what did you see? What did you find? So it was a process for me. It took me a little while to get clean. But it, but it had to do with like getting arrested, getting released to a treatment center, going through that, getting, getting, you know, moved to recovery house, relapsing in the recovery house, but having them allow me to come back in and then staying clean. That's the short version. Do you know? But, but in that is like meeting a lot of people, making some serious relationships. I got clean with guys that we've been in each other's wedding and we're all still clean almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And like, we see each other like all the time. We, our families, you know, we've gotten married, we've had kids, Mm -hmm. like we all hang, you know, and all those people are really important in my life. But Mm -hmm. like, that's the short of it. But really, like, I I tell people like, they really didn't ever think I was going to stay clean. I didn't get clean to try to help other people. I really just wanted everybody off my back. I, it was for selfish reasons. I wanted to stop going to jail. I wanted to be able to have, you know, I wanted to stop being in like a mountain of debt and, and really just have nowhere to go. I just wanted things back. I wanted stuff Mm. back. It was totally selfish and self-centered just like my addiction was, but I stayed clean long enough to start being able to love myself, love other people around me, start appreciating life again, instead of just being a miserable, depressed, angry person. And, uh, and and that's when, you know, I mean, Garrett was just on here talking about the gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And like, when we, when we get clean, like we're totally pumped on like getting a driver's license back, mm-hmm. getting a car, getting a job, getting a house, getting a girl, getting all this stuff and that's what we're focused on and a lot of the time that becomes the challenge is focusing on those things when we really we should be focusing on what's in here and what's actually happening up here so that's a good point right there right because and it's the same thing that you had when you were 16 and 20 and in your early 20s wanting things and wanting to create a persona 
is not a purpose. We live in a world where they think that Instagram and everything, you know, that's a purpose. That's where I got lost, right? I wanted things. I wanted to give my wife, you know, a $2 million house on the beach and I wanted, you know, all these, this stuff, right? But that's not going to lead you anywhere. So what did, so you started to get those things and it's like a, a tree coming back to life after winter, right? The leaves are all coming back. It's looking green. It's looking full. It's looking healthy, right? But that doesn't keep the tree healthy. What'd you find that kept it healthy? For me, and I'm not really going to get into this because I want to, I just have to have this thing, right? It's like, I don't really like to find any sort of like God or anything like that. Like I just mm-hmm. had to believe that addiction was going to kill me if I didn't mm-hmm. find something greater than myself. I found a program that was much greater than myself that I was seeing a lot of people come out of the horrors of addiction. That's what I found. And I started, I started believing in that. I started really believing in the people around me that were like clean for 10 or 20 years and owned businesses and had Mm -hmm. families and were like laughing and joking and smiling and like enjoying time with their friends and family on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, my life today is that. So are you just so, can I say it? The common denominator is that is the people that you saw that you wanted to emulate that already went down that road found God. Is that what you're telling me? Okay. So I, they, no, in, no, I, I have to say though, is that that can be misconceived. Mm-hmm. They found a God of their understanding. And for understood. me, it was a program, it was those people. Right. Right with no relation to any religion. Mm -hmm. And I just have to make that clear because that is a barrier for a lot of people that are in that situation that can't look past that, you know? So can I I share something? Yeah. I want to share something because I think it addresses what you said. And it was my own personal experience. I've always been an atheist, like totally against it. If you brought Jesus up to me, like I, I got, you know, very, like you said, like against the system, right? Like I went to Catholic high school. I was against the system and somebody gave me a book. It's on the wall behind me. It's mere Christianity. And it made me think about the Bible because you look at all these other people, very wealthy people like Elon, Elon Musk, Jordan Peterson, all, all these, all these people have, have heavy, heavy faith. And it's like, why don't I believe in that? But they do. And then I read that book, mere Christianity. And, and it gave me the concept that if you read the Bible, which is and again, I'm not pushing religion. Same thing you're doing. I'm not pushing religion. My point is, is that if you read the Bible in the context of God being a state within yourself, as opposed to a physical being in the sky, because you're not a religious person and you don't believe, don't don't look at it as a ritual thing. Look at it. It's basically like stoicism, right? Like Marcus Aurelius, if, if you've ever read any of that, right? But if you if you look at like faith, having faith in yourself and serving a genuine purpose— then the Bible is good for that. So it's it's that flip that you just talked about of defining your own God, right? Your own thing that's greater than yeah. than yourself, but also within yourself. Yeah, yeah, but so, so so really, I just have to say it that that my my life really started almost ten years ago, right? I just yeah. kind of was. I had kind of a new outlook, and and my experience has been, and I have to say this is. Previous to that, I talked a lot. And a lot of those things I talked about never really came to light. They never really, they never really became reality. Mm-hmm. But I always dreamed big. I just never accomplished any of it. Everything was always, you know, and, and since then, for the last 10 years, 
nine and a half or whatever, pretty much everything that I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. I've done it. You know, I've been Mm -hmm. able to follow through. I've been able to accomplish. I've been able to keep raising the bar and setting goals and achieving those goals. And it just really says a lot. And, you know, we're not all the same. I'm the guy, Mm -hmm. I try to explain it to people as like, yeah, maybe I could have a few beers. I don't really care that much enough to even try it. There's absolutely no need for me to experiment to see if it would be okay for me to get drunk. It just doesn't appeal to me. Mm. Uh, I don't really see the value in it. It's like very low value for me. I don't think I valued it before and I don't think I would value it after. But for me, it's like, I don't know, like we, I've put myself in some positions since then to really have some pretty awesome employment roles that Mm. have really like opened up myself to like other opportunities in the trades that I never really saw because, and I'm not just saying like deck building's new to me, but really like how to run a business, how to market, really how to get organized and how to be efficient, what the value and payoff of efficiency is and how you don't necessarily need to hire one, two, three, four more guys to make X amount more of dollars. If you look Mm -hmm. at efficiencies that can save three minutes and five minutes and three minutes and seven minutes and three, and you repeat that on a daily basis 40 times, you pretty much pick up another guy's salary by the end of the year and pay, you know? So let's talk about that. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about, so you're the ball's rolling 10 years ago. You're out of jail the grass is getting greener or the trees getting greener. Like we said, you're getting this mental clarity. You're talking less shit. You're making more shit happen, right? You're taking action. And I think what a lot of people find, even if you don't have an addiction, like, like for me, I I never had a problem with drinking. I drank drank a ton, but the less I drank, the more clear I got, the more action I took, the better I felt, the less I wanted to drink. Now you couldn't even get me to drink five beers. Now it's just not going to happen. Plus it also makes me feel like I have a stomach with a loaf of bread in it. But, but so talk about it. What was the first, what was the first step? Walk, walk through high level, those opportunities over the last 10 years that led you to Raven. Yeah. So when I was like, I I talked about when I was like in a recovery house, right. That was like kind of Mm -hmm. my like first step back in a society where I was able to go get a job. And I, and I took up some like gig working where I was like working for a commercial roofer. I was like picking up whatever I could get, just staying, staying employed. And I I got an opportunity to go work for a custom home builder in um, Southern Rhode Island and Narragansett. And I worked for him for a number of years. I led his crew really was like, he was a design build firm and we were build frame to finish, a lot of renovations, you know, raising a house to a second floor kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was able to like hire you know, hire another guy in there. And uh, it was, it was just probably the first opportunity I ever had in my life where I really had full trust and control over like a a great operation, right? With Mm. great clients and, and really just felt extremely valued. And, and it was just a, it was a great opportunity. And he helped me accomplish a lot of firsts for me, like first financed brand new vehicle, right? Like brand new Chevy pickup off the lot, boom. For, you know, 
I mean, I had never been through anything like that, right? And here I am, you know, 30 years old or whatever, driving all this, you know, I went from being in D block to like running, yeah. running a crew, brand new truck, you know, nice condo kind of stuff. And then from there, I moved, I moved to a bigger commercial and multifamily firm. And so, so he was probably like a two or $3 million design build firm. And I moved mm -hmm. to like a $30 million. We did a lot of like multifamily lofts and I had had some experience like framing out steel and like, you know, multifamily and condos and stuff like that. But it was cool. We did like some restaurants and commercial spaces and stuff like that too. But that was really the 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 opportunity where i started to see my true potential like as i scaled up in difficulty level in like company size mm -hmm. i really stayed at the upper section in my opinion right like it wasn't long there before i had the keys for everything before i was running my own crew before right. you know they bought me a brand new vehicle you know all that kind of stuff that like makes us feel appreciated and worth it when we're working, you know, when we, when we go to another company and you know, that was, I learned a lot there, right? I learned how to build something out of a set of plans. That's 150 pages. You know, I came up building houses that were like 16 to 30 pages tops, you know, these things had project manuals on top of the plans. And the project manual was 600 pages of, of specs and schedules and, you know, really. You raise, a, down, you raise a good point. Right down you, the you, raise a, you raise a good point that I, I just want to highlight, you know, for, for young people. When I go to speak at high schools, every, every single one of them wants to start a business, right? And they think that they're going to walk out of college or wherever, and they're just going to start a business right away. The truth is that, number one, you need a skill set. And the best way to do it, in my opinion, and what you just described, is... Learn your skill set, base level, find an opportunity to challenge yourself, realize that there's always a bigger dragon to slay and that there's things that you don't know, right? There's a lot of people that would think that a 15 to 30 page job for drawings is, you know, makes them an expert. And then you get to that $30 million a year company and it's like, oh, okay, this is the big boys, you know, that, that prepares you and is your next thing when you decided to start your own business. I, I want to just, we were discussing that in the truck today. Me and my guys were talking about the guys in the industry that never like got the lesson that always mm -hmm. had to figure everything out on their own. Mm -hmm. And they've walked on a crutch their whole, their whole career because they've never been open-minded or had the opportunity to get the lesson. And a, and a lot of guys like me, we got paid really well to get all the lessons. We, you know, we, we were, you know, I was making 80 grand a year for a guy that had been building $10 million jobs for 30 years to teach me everything he knew. Bingo. I all, try to tell people I, this all the time. All I had it's to like... do was ask. We used to stand in the trailer every morning. If I ever had an, if I ever had a question on anything, we had a set of plans on the, on the site. We had a set of plans yeah. in the trailer. I would go to the trailer. Hey, you got a minute. We would go over it. We'd look at the details. I would tell him what I was thinking. He would say yay or nay, or give me, give me some advice mm -hmm. or, or give me an action plan. And I would go carry it out. Construction is one of the only industries that has that opportunity. It's like you get paid really freaking well to get an education. And you have yep. people that if you show initiative and you show the right attitude, if you ask them, they will not only give you an answer, but that answer is a skill that will earn you more money and more money and more money. Yep. As opposed to sitting in an office, 
getting, you know, learning how to push buttons on a, on a screen. That, that's not actual value that you can bring to your community. You know what I mean? Let's, it's, let's, so we're going to roll into the next one because I want to get to a point, but I think it's better if we roll in the next one. So okay. next employment. All right. <laughs> so we have a company picnic at that company football game. I throw my shoulder out really bad level three tear at a company picnic. Yeah. Takes me out of the field. I try to do the white collar thing briefly with them. And it was like, there's no way, right? They just, mm -hmm. they just really didn't have a place for me to manage light duty on site. It just wasn't a good spot. So anyways, I start looking for employment. I get offered a managerial, a, 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 a project manager role for a national firm that renovates houses. All right. I, I double interview for that. I get offered a role. I take that role. Within three months, I'm offered my area as a senior to start hiring a team of project managers to scale, to scale my market. Okay. Go down to, you know, go down in the office in Atlanta, get a big training to get pushed up to the senior level, get a raise, come back up and start hiring a team. Now I'm a high school dropout. Right. So I have a, I have job postings all over the internet that I'm fielding from this primary system that brings in all the leads from the job postings. And it's bachelor's degree minimum. Okay. So here I am interviewing all these candidates. Now I want to say the degree meant nothing to me, what school it was from. And I, and I, and I'm going to say this because our attrition rate, we had gone through a lot of hires mm -hmm. that didn't work out so well. And from my experience, the ones that worked out really well had the good experience, not the good degree. And it may just, I'm not saying that that is like a science of it, mm. but when, when I looked at a resume, I was really interested in who they were, not what they were. I was really interested in what kind of person I wanted to speak with them. I wanted to meet with them, but really I wanted to see their experience. I don't care. Like most of the guys that I hired out of there that were successful did had long terms in multiple construction roles, whether it was in management or it was in the field. Mm -hmm. And that's where we were found our most success in hiring for long-term employment. But that, so, so in other words, when you, come out and you go get these employment roles and you might work your way up in one company or you might try a, a few different roles because that's what I did, right? I didn't get all my experience from, from one source. I worked in some different areas of the field. I worked with some really talented people at different places on different projects. And that's where I got my like well-rounded experience that I have, right? And what that gives me is I could close my business today. I could go work anywhere I want. I get like 30 job offers a month on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Like I my inbox is steady. The same recruiters that I tell every time. I don't even answer them anymore, but like I've told several of these big recruiter firms and you know, of course out of Boston, right? They're always, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, if I could clone a hundred of me, I could get every single one of them hired tomorrow at a six figure management role. No problem. You know what I mean? No problem. Mm -hmm. No problem. And it's not because of a college degree. It's because of my experience. 
Exactly. And I got paid I, and I got paid to get that. And listen, so you know what's funny? And I, I say this. I'm gonna make a I'll make a bold statement right now. I guarantee you, if I took a kid 18 years old out of high school, had him next to me, had him or her next to me for four years. I'm gonna start this over because I want to get yep. that statement right. If I took a kid out of out of high school and he or her were next to me for four years and they got I got to teach them the way that things should go and give them that experience. And then at that fourth year, we hired a kid from Harvard. I would take the kid that I've been working with for four years that's been learning from me. And then in another four years, now the kid from Harvard's been there for four years. And now this kid that was came right out of high school has been there for eight years. I guarantee you the kid that came out of high school is running circles around the kid from Harvard. I guarantee you that the kid from Harvard is doing pushing the tedious paperwork and getting people coffee compared to the kid that came out of high school because he has four more years experience and that is what matters. Not the degree. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. And I really, honestly, I don't know. I, I just feel like college is, I'm, I'm not going to like say that there's no purpose for higher education because of course, like you can't just go, there's a lot of jobs out there <laughs> That you can't just go learn while you you can't just go figure it out. You know what I mean? There's a mm -hmm. lot there's a lot of things out there that you can't just go figure it out. And I mean, a lot of the stuff in the trades is included too, right? Is where there is some education involved in order to. And I really probably one of the you know I, I really think of electrical, right? Because there's a lot of a science mm -hmm. science to electric that really wouldn't make sense to be taught on the job site. Right. Mm. How much of that guys actually retain out of out of school? I don't know. But I know some really smart electricians that have a lot of information, you know, regarding their sure. trade that listen, I can wire, you know, a, a basic 200 amp service and hook it in from the outside, do the meter socket, connect it up top. I could wire the inside of a residential home. But you you bring me into a commercial kitchen and we start hooking up three phase oh. <laughs> you don't kitchen equipment. <laughs> I'm okay. You know what I mean? You want to yeah. do that panel, you know, that thousand yeah. amp or whatever, you know, or whatever that is, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, At the same time, how often do electricians tell the engineer why, where they're wrong? Quite a bit. Because of the hands-on, because of the hands-on. Pretty good point. Now, pretty now good. listen, yeah. I, I have a mechanical engineering degree. I have an MBA. I'm not yep. anti-education. That, that's not my point. Correct. My point is, is that whatever education you get, it better be useful and, you know, on my website, constructionmentor.org, I have a spreadsheet that shows all the college majors, what you get, like the average psychology and biology major nationally starting salary is under $30,000. The average for an electrical engineer or a mechanical engineer is between like sixty five dollars and $75,000, depending on the city that you're in. So if you're going to spend $100,000, go make 60, 70, 80 grand, not 30 grand for biology or psychology or a business degree that doesn't, you don't have a skill for anybody. Right. We, so we spend, we spend 30,000 on fuel. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and you get more of a return from that. I, fuel can't, than some of these. I can't imagine, you know, wow. Yeah. You couldn't burn your degree and get enough energy to make money off of it. Like you can that fuel at least. So talk yeah. to me about Raven. Like at what point were yeah. you like, you know what I'm doing this. Okay. It's going to, it's going to be Dex. And all right, so what was the leap like? Like, what'd you do? How'd you prepare? All right, so this is what happened, right? I'm going to give it to you straight. I was working in that senior PM <laughs> role. The remodels yeah. were for hedge fund. They were for hedge funds. 
All right. Okay. And, and I'm not proud to say it, but if everybody is aware, if, if you're not aware, look it up. But like all these uh, single family real estate funds that bought all the single family homes from the previous 08 crash, they bought all mm-hmm. the mortgages from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bank of America, Chase, all these companies that had all these non-performing properties that were boarded up all over the country from the 08 crash, New Jersey, the floods, all this, right? They bought them mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And companies like mine, companies like the one that I work for, and I didn't really understand this getting into it. I just got hired as a construction project manager. But as I leveled up in that company, I understood that we had whole departments that did evictions, that did titling, that you know we had property management where we would go in and, and for these clients, these, these, these hedge fund clients, we would handle everything on these properties. Now, what happened was we would, my team would, would manage construction on them mm-hmm. and then we would turn them over to property management and they would either rent them or sell them, but they were renting them because they knew what was going to happen with the housing market. So they held every one of those assets. And when, when COVID hit, they put a moratorium on evictions. You could no longer remove people from a house, even if they were squatting, even if mm. they hadn't paid the mortgage in 10 years, you you could right. know, you know, even if they didn't, they had no right to be there at all, which was the case for a lot of these properties because they had been abandoned for so long, people would just move into them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so our inventory just fell out and I had to lay off my entire team. Wow. And I was the last one standing in my market. July 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a slow burn. It took me because we had a lot of inventory that was already vacant. So mm-hmm. pretty much I don't really have I don't actually really have the exact date because what happened was is I was already running a small kind of similar model to theirs where I was renovating houses for a local property investor. Mm-hmm on the side. So I had opened a business and the reason my business is called Raven is because my wife's name is Rachel and my name is Kevin. And when I opened the company, it was called Raven LLC. It said nothing about construction. We never put a sticker or a name on anything. It was just a, a, a money source. It was, a, it was the place to put the money that I made because I mm-hmm. had a non-compete. I did not compete. And, and, I, and even though it had nothing to do with our clientele, nothing to do with our market, I still wanted to, I, I was a little shady about it. So you can't get in trouble so what, saying that, right? No, I mean, I don't really care. I don't think they would ever come after me because yeah. it really was not competitive to them at all. And I, and I right. really think that a non-compete should only cover things that are competitive. Right. So anyways, they, I, I, I was just pretty much begging for a severance from them because I gave severances to everybody else and and was stuck. And, uh, and at that point, my side business was like, I was, it's the word started to get out. Kev was back in construction. People were reaching out. They wanted us to come do work. And, uh, and I, and I got that opportunity. They gave me a severance. So I lettered my old freestyle motorcycle trailer, put some tools in it. And I went back out and I hit the streets, man. I hit the field and uh, we just did whatever. And I, I did some remodels. I lifted and fixed some broken houses. We did one job where a big giant tree that was like five feet around completely crushed this historic home. And we, we rebuilt the second floor and put a roof on it. Stuff like that. I was doing bathrooms. I was doing kitchens. I was doing whatever I could get my hands on, man. 
And uh, so side work, right? Everyone talks about the side hustle. It's, it's like the, the, the hot thing in the internet and with the young kids, like, oh, or young kids, I say young kids. I mean, like even people in their twenties, they want a side hustle. They want to make an extra 20, 30, 60 grand, whatever it is. Right. I don't know of another industry or another demographic of people that so many side hustles are going on, not bullshit side hustles, like selling t-shirts. I'm talking about right. like real side hustles, making money. Yeah. I got a friend who, who works at a garage at night. He works at a garage during the day and then he works at an automotive garage at night and he made 60 grand at night. Right. So, so when you talk about side hustles that there's no better industry than the construction industry. And most of the time, that's how end up people end up doing a leap. They start doing a side hustle and then they break off at some point to start their own thing. And that's what you did. What I want to know is how you started doing decks. Cause if you're doing all that, what, yeah. what made you think like decks? Yeah. So let's get to it. So obviously there was an outdoor living boom during COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just, you know, that's just a fact, right? People started staying home and they started wanting to be able to enjoy their outdoor spaces more and people started investing in their homes. And it's a really popular investment is to, is to build an outdoor space, right? So even though we weren't marketing as deck builders, I think like our first full year in business decks were probably 40% of our scope and like 60% of our profit, you know? Wow. It was just clear that like we were more we were more profitable, we were more efficient. I like working outside. I don't like working in someone's home. When people like question me too much about like niching down and like not doing like bathrooms in the winter, like why wouldn't you take a basement job in the winter or whatever? It's like I have to walk through their house, they're living in the house, I have to work around their schedule and their dogs and their I love dogs, but like their kids' social <laughs> yeah. calendars and like it's like my personal nightmare is to like remodel someone's kitchen while they live in the home. Hey, riches like and the niches my, too. Don't don't <laughs> don't don't avoid the niche. Yeah. So what what it is for me is like I was on a big project. We were building like a really cut up like cool deck, and the lumberyard told the reps to of the the brand to come check mm -hmm. us out. A couple of the reps, like the regional sales manager and, and the and the field specialist came out and they were like, we just hit it off, you yeah. know, and and they were like, you should do this. You should enter this. You should do this. And uh, and like they offered all their support for anything we wanted to do. And and really from there, I started researching and I found North America Deck and Railing Association and I found they had a deck expo and that year it was in Dallas. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Maybe I'll just go down there and check it out and see what it's all about. Because that was the moment. Like, I'm from New England. I never even knew there was really companies that just built decks. Mm. Like, I didn't. Like, around here, from my experience, because I worked for a lot of companies, we built a lot of decks. And I did it for myself as well. Like, if you wanted a deck built, you would just hire a contractor or a carpenter. Yeah, right. And, and I figured out that, like, you know, like, Denver has, like, a hundred deck companies that just build decks san diego like so many other places in the country like if you want a deck built you hire a deck builder and they are specialized they are dialed they are efficient. talk to me talk to me about what is special about a deck builder like what are the specific like nuances of deck building for the average bear that wouldn't know well i'll tell you this since i niched down since i went to that expo decided that I loved the community that I, mm -hmm. that I loved the, all the people involved from manufacturers to the other builders, all my peers, the association, the, 
the Instagram energy that we have this community on the internet, right? How how that, overplayed is is the phrase big deck energy? It's I mean, I had it on my shirts for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. There's a couple going like I can remember when people would see the thing at the in Boston or whatever, like that restaurant or whatever that says big deck energy over like the circus tent and they would send it to me. They're like, "Oh, look, look," you know? And yeah. Uh, it's pretty, but yeah, it's getting a little played out. That's why now we got the <laughs> We got the only decks. You know only I mean? decks. I love that. And and outdoor living. So, you know, we had to switch it up a little bit and grab something fresh. But, yeah, I mean, I just decided that's what I wanted to do because we enjoyed it. We made good money doing it. But here's the thing. I tell this people this all the time, like, and not even like clients. I don't tell clients this, but like people we're talking, I'll tell them, like, here's this builder around here. He's the best of the best. These guys build up to $800 a square foot residential. Mm-hmm. Their wait list is probably 10 years. I know more about decks than he does. I do. It's all I do. I know every brand. I know when products are coming out. I know products that don't hit North America for two years. It's what I do. I know the manufacturers. I know the C-suite members of some of these manufacturers. I have... I can call any of these brands right now. You know, I know what I can get, when I can get it, where I can get it, and I know how it's supposed to be installed. And I have a network of hundreds of guys that install all these different brands. And so really like what you said, like what we know that others, how about like what I know since I've niched down, what I've learned is a lot. I build a deck much differently than I did three years ago. I have efficiencies like i've created efficiencies well learned efficiencies from others and created some of my own but like the way we attack a project where i have some videos on the internet where we demo and build a deck like in one day Mm -hmm. like smaller structures or whatever that like that would have taken me three four days when i first started doing this you know that efficiency gets passed on to the client you know and but really like the quality of our build whether it takes us one day or we have projects that we're on for 10 weeks is always top notch. We like strive for excellence, you know, and, and really what I, what we see at most builder built decking projects is horrendous. Hmm. And these guys are like, these guys build a beautiful home. Kitchen cabinets are two grand a piece. And the decking is the same. I mean, it's seven bucks a linear foot but it's put down like I would have 20 years ago. Right. It doesn't look like a deck build. Like I can tell you like the framer frame that, you know, and, and whoever the cider or whoever they had put the decking down has no business. He doesn't understand what that's going to look like in one month when it has a little bit of time to expand and contract or, you know, or whatever get walked on or you know these stairs and in all the trim details and everything so it's just like you know specialists we're we're, we're valuable because you're probably going to spend about the same amount of money but you're going to get a way nicer product and you're going to get the right products and the right placement you know in the right environments we're just when you hire a specialist you get specialty knowledge so you know what's what's interesting is you started out with this broad experience right 
and you were doing bathrooms and you could pretty much do anything as far as building a house goes. And then you sure. honed in on this, on this niche. And if you ever had to, you could go back to the, to doing all the other things. Right. But right now you became such an expert in a niche. And that's why they say there's riches in the niches, right? Because you're either able going to be able to charge a premium and I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, there's cheaper guys in, in town. Right. But for the, but for the good guys, you're yeah. even able to deliver a higher quality at a higher efficiency, which means that you're still, although you passed on that efficiency to the client, you're still making more money money than the other competitors in the area because you really, you know this much about this much, right? As opposed to this much about this much, right? Does that make sense? So it's it's this much, you know this much. You have depth into a small part of a project, whereas all the other builders, they know that much about everything. And that quality shows. We were just, so like we built a new construction, like a 3000 square foot home. That was our last project that we did before we niched. So Mm. it's actually like into the niche. We were still, we pretty much just managed it. I didn't frame it. All we did was the trim, the decks Mm. and the never ending punch, you know, but throughout that whole process, like it just was never ending. Like we went to go break ground. And the town with no notice decided they were going to repave the roads. So, you know, we weren't going to be able to get utilities. It was just one thing after another. The engineers set foundation elevations wrong. You know, I raised them a foot over the plans and it still got flooded. It was just a total, the job was such a nightmare. The entire thing. And I've been building homes for 20, 30 years, like 20 years, easy. And it was just, I don't want to chase subs. I don't want to deal with never ending picky clients. I don't, I just want to get in, build. I want to be an artist. I want to create and have like there, our average client is like so unbelievably thrilled. It's just really great. Even the clients that we have that I'm like, oh man, this isn't going to go good. You know, like you just get Sometimes I just got a funny feeling about some, but I really like the project. And then we just, I just, we just end up just knocking it out of the park and it, everything just is cool. You know? So you don't want my job. Uh, no, no, no. I just <laughs> listen. Like I, the less subs that I have to deal with, the better. Like we have like a gutter guy and an electrician. It's like it, man. Like we don't, you know what I mean? I do all my own hardscape. I do, I drive my own helical piles. I have, three pieces of equipment. We were on the beach today, driving, driving helical piles with the excavator on like a bunch of multi-million dollar homes. We're back there tomorrow because the storm surge has like taken this coastal strip of all like, you know, these homes are like 2 million and up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Going down this strip of beach and it's like a salt pond on one side and a beach face on the other. So the water is like taking the dunes and like, yeah. So, so what do you do? So what's, what's the, what's the repair then to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Oh, there isn't. They just keep piling up sand. They just, they just bring in sand and put the dunes back. But what we're doing is trying to save the decks. So no, what's the, yeah, what's the, what's the, so the deck doesn't get, we're going, well, it's more a matter of just trying to keep it there because if it if it gets totally washed away, they're probably not allowed to put it back. So we're going in and and, and driving better foundation support, like in the form of a heel heel uh, pile I, with like yeah. like sending a ten foot shaft into the ground and putting a right. saddle on that instead of a because a lot of these things have like a 
you know, somebody put like a four foot deep concrete footing in the dune mm-hmm. and built a deck on it. And mm-hmm. right now the deck is just hanging over nothing with just a footing like in the air, like two feet off the ground. Nice. And it, or it <laughs> has, or those footings have just ripped the deck in half, you know? Jesus. So that's what we're doing right now. But like, you should post pictures of that. Yeah. I posted a couple of pictures today. Like, Did on you? The story. I, I on yeah. It's a little, you know, the coastal stuff's a little funny. We're, it's kind of an emergency operation. So just, you know, we're just trying to help people out. You know, we're just patching them up. Because you really can't go in there and rebuild. They won't let you. The only thing you can do is file for an emergency emergency permit to patch them up. Holy you know? cr- So, I'm sorry. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at these decks. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Did I Man. about sum it up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. guys, if, guys, again, Raven Builders on Instagram. <laughs> like, go check, go check it out. Are you, do you, you going to make that a real because you should uh, yeah we'll see i don't i don't really that one's a little touchy because it's just i'm on the beach face and it's a little you know uh, it's random people's yeah yeah it's just they're not those aren't my clients so i wouldn't really want to post i don't want to like yeah. act like i'm like you know enjoying anyone's destruction to their property because i'm not like i just i want to help but it's not you know it's hard not to take pictures of it you know but right. most of these people are, are not present. So they're either right. like watching this destruction from their cameras or they are right. sending a property manager out to survey or yeah, and the insurance companies won't touch that, you know, they're, you're on right. your own. So um, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Cause I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I want to talk about manpower. What has, I imagine it was just you at first and maybe a friend or something. What has manpower yeah. been like? Has it been consistent? Where do you find people? Do you want to grow? Like, what's your plan to find more? So here's the thing. Every spring, I've planned to scale. And really, we've had some normal attrition. Like you talked about before, like when, you know, when you get a really good guy and you kind of teach them the craft and they they split out on their own, right? Like that's kind of the, mm-hmm. kind of the natural, just like if I go get my experience from another company and now here I am, I own my own company, right? So that's a reality. Just because you're drafting these young studs doesn't mean they're gonna give you 30 years of service. It's 2024, it doesn't really commonly work that way anymore. But regardless, we've always kind of stuck as a team of three. And I have to say, so I have some additional labor that I'll bring in sometimes. Every time we've tried to to move, because I always figured if I could get to four, four solid, I could split. Hmm. And from split, we could grow them a little bit into, and I have the equipment and the vehicles to split. But honestly, every time we've approached it, it just hasn't been right. You know, it just hasn't been right. And for me, although what I do and what I build and it's, it's, it's really not, what I'm doing today is not a get rich scale model. It really isn't. And as many people tell me what I have to do and how many people, different people I have to hire in order to, you know, own this business that I don't have to work at and all this BS, that's not what I'm here for, you know? So for me, you know, I'm always looking for talent, but I'm not desperately searching to grow. 
You know, we, we had a really good year this year. Like, you know, we're a three man crew. We're doing like two and a half million dollars in gross revenue a year. You know, wow. Uh, two and a half million dollars in decks between three guys. And that's not saying that you guys split it, but you know, like I said, we're, 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 we're efficiency heavy. We're equipment heavy. We have a lot of resources. All of my guys are on set, you know, both, both. We also have a, we have a management staff who does all of our estimates, proposals, invoicing, and really mm, everything. Interesting. Cody, Cody does. So that's what I delegated. I delegated the side that I had to do at my last job because mm. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I run the field and I run the social media. I so that's, the that's really unique for, I mean, most people. The way the industry structured, most people right. have management only, maybe a couple project managers and estimators, and they sub out the labor force, like down in Florida yeah. where I am, to you know yeah. Guatemalans and Mexican crews and, and whatever. Yeah. You did the opposite, and so first of all, you're focusing not on growth in volume, you're staying comfortable, getting really efficient at eating the food on your plate, and that's where you're gaining your profit. And then additionally. You're focusing on that quality. You're focusing on driving those inefficiencies, those efficiencies in the field, while you delegate your project management. With your, I mean, are they doing like submittals and stuff, and samples, and and getting your estimating and and all that stuff, like all the office type yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, all that. I don't, I don't now, touch the it, software. She, she's actually on vacation right now, so I touch it, the software today. But is that a flat? Is that a flat rate? Like, uh, are you paying them a per diem? Percentage. Percentage? Okay. Yeah, percentage of gross. But she, so she actually, Cody is a rock star. She, like, she's gotten us to the point where I feel like if, if she left, I would be done. Like, I don't oh even my. know if I could handle, <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? Where it's like one of those things, like, I can't believe I used to do all of this. Mm. But she also does a lot of it much better than I did. Mm. And and has given us really the opportunity to grow through her efficiencies that she's added to that side. I'm really good at adding efficiencies to production and organization of tangible things, but not so much the unforeseen things, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So although I did excel in a project manager role, I didn't enjoy it. Right. I didn't. You know, I didn't enjoy it. I'm a builder. I'm a creator. I, you know, that's what I want to do. Like my title of this company is chief of operations. I am, I want to be on the front lines. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. that's just where I thrive, right? I thrive interacting with the, with the, with the customers. I thrive interacting with the neighborhood throughout the project. Like I, I can always be like, put that face on the company, um, yep. but not to say I travel like this is trade show season. I travel every single month. I was in Florida last week. We were getting some awards and my guys mm -hmm. built a deck. I'll be yeah, in right. Costa Rica. I'll be in Costa Rica the end of this month or some sometime soon, like a few weeks, I think. <laughs> and my guys will build a deck. You know right. what I mean? The month after that, I'll be in Vegas for IBS. My guys will build the deck. Right. My business doesn't shut down if I leave. We'll say that, right. right? Like it is a business. It's not just a job. And there's a misconception with that. Like, but but that being said, 
my goals are to open more companies. Mm. I don't want to scale. I don't want to scale a construction company. I don't want five crews. I don't want to do a hundred projects a year. I want to do the least amount of projects for the most amount of money, work for the best clients possible and build award-winning projects and teach other people how to do that and how to run a, how to run a business. And I also want to, you know, like, like today and tomorrow, we're just driving helical piles. I mm-hmm. am a, a, a certified installer for a certain brand of helical pile. We mm-hmm. have a hand in distributing some of those piles in, in, in Northeast North America. And that is going to be one of our revenue streams, right? Instead of Raven Builders driving the piles, we're going to open up another company that drives piles. We, wow. we, you know, I have the media side, right? I do a lot of work on social media. I do a lot of work with a lot of brands. So there's like a whole media side there that we can, that, that, that I invest a lot of my time in that has kind of opened up a lot of new opportunities for me. It's exciting. I've had a lot of success there. Really, I've, I'm just working with some awesome brands and really having a great time doing it, traveling a lot. So for me, like that is, I've been building for 20 plus years. Yeah, I love the projects that we build. I love building, but like, it's fun to do some other stuff too. And yeah, I have a lot of fun with the social thing. media. And you had kind of introduced me as like an influencer and like, that still sounds weird to me. <laughs> even though, even though True. I know it's a fact that the things that we do influence other people. I answer messages every day. I go on calls with people all the time to talk about their business. You just hit a about... th- hundred thousand followers. I just saw that. <laughs> I yeah. didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. We're cruising. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, really like our first success was on TikTok. I thought I would never get Instagram to grow. Like TikTok, mm. we were like had 20,000 followers in like a few months. And I was like, all right, this is, we're cruising, you know? And I think mm. even to this day, I only have like 30 or 40 on TikTok. I don't know what it is, but it's not a lot, you know? Whereas what we found a community on Instagram right? that we can, that we can educate, that we can laugh, that we can build relationships. Man, I got guys on Instagram that I'm close with. Yeah. I'm not lying. Like these guys are my boys. Like I got people like, I've never met. Had, you just had Garrett on, right? Yep. I've never met Garrett in person. And like I have so much respect for him and I appreciate him so much. Like it's crazy. Yeah. You know? And, well, and I really think, I think people say social like people say social media is a bad thing, but it's all on how you use it. It's like what do you use it to filter yourself for? What are you who are you interacting with? It's all for me, it's been a positive in the last three years because filter positive things, you know, towards me and positive relationships with, again, like you said, people I've never met. I mean, you and I started talking, having a conversation, like never met you. Yeah. Don't know if I, if I ever will or where, where I will. Right. Well, uh, you just had, you just had, uh, who was the woman that you shared a couple of shorts from her podcast from the, N, what is it? N-I-C- or N-C-C- N-C-C-E-R, yeah, National Center for Construction, Education and Research. Yeah. So like that was a piece of content that you shared the other day discussing the uh, the prison reform mm-hmm. and the the vocational and trade you know education and trade education opportunities and some of the pri- and like that like that like lit a fire in me cuz I'm like yes why are why are we only offering this which like why are we just targeting youth when there's so mm-hmm. many people that could be so valuable and and 
the effect on society when you when you can inspire that change and i'm like this is what we're gonna do that's it <laughs> and i told and i told you earlier that when i say we're gonna do something we do it you're gonna do it you know what i right. mean yeah we do it we, we'll figure it out we'll figure out how to get in there you know what i mean but it's things like that so that's really what things like that is where i see the value in social media and for mm -hmm. me working with brands gives me resources because I can't suck all the resources out of my one man construction crew to spend 30 or 40 hours a week on cameras and on my cell phone to right. feed social media. Mm -hmm. Somewhere I have to figure out how I'm going to support this, you know? And for us, it's been, we, we find the brands that align with our, with our goals and, and products that we already use and that we already believe in. And we work with those brands and we create content. And I want to, I want to highlight for young people that aren't in the industry, or maybe you are in the industry and you just don't understand. When you talk about having a relationship with the brand and being a certified installer, they literally won't allow you to purchase from a distributor that product or install it or you know get a warranty for it, basically. Right? You see this a lot with roofs. You see it with decks. You see it with yeah. inside you know, mean, different lighting controls, carrier, GAC equipment. You For yeah. a lot of these companies to install their products, you have to have... A certification to do it and i'll say though i'll say though i'm going to say this is that some of it is kind of a little scammy because certain yeah. programs certain programs are just based on revenue mm -hmm. not on talent mm. and the warranty is driven by that status right so there is certain brands that will give a homeowner the same length warranty as a guy that buys two, two or 300,000 in product a year. Right. And there's other companies that will not. This is, and, uh, this could, this could go into a rabbit hole of complex and many facets yeah. of life, whether it be yeah. education, healthcare, food, you know, yeah. military, but right? That, being is a, said, complex. that is one of the, because we're niched, mm. we have all those statuses and we have all, so we can offer on a lot of products, we can offer a much longer warranty than a right. company that doesn't build decks full time. Right. You know, it gives us that does give us an upper hand. So again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And we're at an hour and 20 minutes already. I might even split this up into two. Who knows? I'll think about that. But let's talk about you, know, you highlighted pretty well that this industry, your education, your business, where you've taken it to has allowed you or afforded you many opportunities to shape your life any way you want pretty much at this point. And that's something that I really want young people to take away or even people that are looking to make a change. You want to put yourself in a career where you have freedom in your life to tailor it, tailor your life to whatever makes you happy, right? Like you didn't have to stick to the PM stuff. You wanted to stick to the field mm -hmm. stuff because that's what you like. And you put yourself, you were able to afford yourself a situation where you could afford to do that. Right. You know, you want to concentrate on social media. You want to have an impact on people in prisons. You're able to do that. You want to be able to travel while work, you know, is still conducted and you can go get educated and, and you know, become more versed in your niche, you know, even more. You, a career in construction is a fantastic opportunity, no better opportunity, in my opinion, to tailor your life any way you want. So for the young people out there or the people that are looking for a second chance, what's the first step? What should they do? Who do they pick up the phone and call? Whose door do they go knocking on? Well, 
I think some research is involved in that because I, I think it really depends. We're, we could get into that whole discussion of union versus private versus self-employed or any of that. But if we're talking about, I, I really think that any youth, I would hope that they have some sort of relationship with someone, whether it be in their family, in their neighborhood, so you know, someone they know that may have a father that's in the trades or so, someone that they know and trust to, to get some input on the opportunities in their area, right? Like mm -hmm. there's so many people that are kind of working their way out of employment that are retiring that might have a lot of valuable input because like I said, my area, I didn't even know that like niche deck building companies were a thing when I was, you know, in the trades for this long. But I mean, honestly, you must have some resource links, right? That people can get to, to kind of see some various opportunities and, and look at the, you know, research. What, what are the salaries for different trades? What am I interested in? What there has to be something, right, that may interest them because let's not forget that it might not even be directly in a blue collar role in construction industry, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you had mentioned you have an engineering degree, correct? And like, really, that's a never ending list of needs that we have, right? For surveyors and, you know, architecture and all these other facets of the trade or project management roles, or, you know, whether it be in the licensed trades where you can easily get in a, an apprenticeship and get, you know, get paid to go to school, you know, carpentry would have to probably be a union scenario to go into that. But so I think my advice is just be, be a learner, be, you know, be a researcher, figure out what your opportunities are nearby, start feeling them out. You don't see, that's the thing with construction. You didn't just sign up for four years at Harvard. Go get a job. You hate it. Quit and go get another one. You know, give your notice. Go find something that you like to do. Find a crew that you like to work with. You don't have to sign on for four years, you know? And I certainly have done a little bit of that, kind of moving around to find a good fit. But honestly, I would just say, whatever you're going to do, do it with passion. Show up early. Do what you say you're going to do. Don't take days off. Don't be lazy. Just try to be a sponge and you'll be successful. So funny you know, that like, you use the word sponge. That's probably the most common word that comes up when I ask people that question. Like, what advice would you give young people? And the show up early, keep your hands out of your pockets, you know, walk with intent, don't yeah. be on your phone. That stuff's all there. Ask questions, right? But you got to be, a, so you, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. So you when you say be yeah. a sponge, you gotta absorb everything around you and try to find a situation that you like, that you want to absorb, and that there's water for you to absorb. Right. So like you said, what I would do is I just I'd look up who's in town, right? Who who's yeah. got what going on? Call them. Say, what, hey, what I want an opportunity. If you don't like it, yeah. okay. It's on your resume. Go to the next one. You know, before you what know you it, a couple of years go by and you gotta you have exposure and you have a little more direction. You might know what you want to do. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of these, a lot of us, a lot of guys I know, and a lot, they just went to college. Like they didn't know what they want to go to college. They didn't know what they want to be. So they just like went and got like a, like a, I mean, I guess the ones that got a business degree was pretty solid, but the ones that just got some random do not, you know, but hmm. really I, I think that the same thing could happen if we were like, all right, everybody just go in the trades, you know? And they're like, well, what do I do? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. where do I go? You know? 
And I don't know, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There, excuse me. I think that there's a lot of opportunity in some of the, like the less talked about areas, you know, that are really going to be tight on labor, you know? What do you mean talked about areas? You mean like not big markets like New York or LA? Yeah. Like you, you're talking no. small market. Yeah. Or like trades, right? Like everybody or says, trades. well, you can be an electrician, you can be a plumber, you can be a carpenter. Well, I had, a lot. I had Adam, there's a Adam lot Mills. of other trades. I don't know if you saw the episode that I had with Adam Mills. I he was he was an addict as well, or alcoholic, and you know he got his throat cut when he was sleeping, and that was kind of like his rock bottom, right? I so I haven't, I haven't watched the episode yet. He's a tile guy. Nobody wakes up and is like, "Dad, I got it. I'm going to be a tile guy." But yeah. he has a three and a half to four million dollar business a year. Nobody wakes yeah. up and is like, "Hey, I'm going to build decks in their in their high school yearbook," yeah. right? But you do two and a half million dollars in revenue, right? And yeah. you're a business owner and you've been able to tailor your life. So the point is, is at least in the trades, you go get experience. It's something that you can put on a resume. You're getting paid to get that experience instead of putting yourself in debt. And then in, if you just at least have the right attitude, I mean, you're networking, you're meeting people, new opportunities are going to come up, right? Like you said, I mean, throughout your story, there was always just people hearing, oh, Kevin's around, Kevin's back around, Kevin's doing this now. Yeah. You know, pe people started calling you. You know, the, there's just so many pathways that could open. It just, just get in, just, just get in, just start. Call somebody, pick up a broom, pick up a shovel, whatever you want, or whatever they want you to do, and uh, and have the right attitude. Yeah, honestly, every company I've ever worked for, where they just give me some somebody new, and like, if they would just like show up before me and then just be like, <laughs> not not distracted and like try to like try to be helpful like i would just right. be like this dude is a winner like he's gonna crush you yeah. know what i mean yeah you, you just people like, don't, don't know how just simple like, that is and how rare it is just don't be dangerous don't do dangerous yeah. things you know yeah, right. but we're gonna do dangerous things but we're gonna do them carefully with a brain use your brain and uh, just yeah just don't get hurt and just pay attention and right. ask questions and we'll explain everything you know right. and you're gonna learn a lot if you pay attention so that's just really like the, yeah, just be, I don't know. I tell people when I, when I hire them that if you're earlier on time, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're fired. That's it. Cause it, and it's one. kind of a joke, but that's how I was brought up in this industry. Right. And like every job I've ever had, I never took any days off and I was always like early every day. And, uh, and I, and I made it really far in every company that I ever worked for. You know? Listen, I, I showed up at a sheet metal shop in high school that I got to work at as a laborer one morning. And my father was the outside super for the pipe fitters. And he left the house the same time as me or a minute before I did. And he said, you know, you're going to be late. And I said, I looked at him and I was like, okay. And then I got there at 6.02. I got out of my truck. He was standing on the loading dock with five guys behind him. My boot was untied. He told me to, sh he told me to leave, come back tomorrow when you're ready to, when you're ready to work with your boot tied and, uh, and on time. And he's my yep. dad, right? Like yep. that's, that's, yep. that's the way it is. Yeah. That's probably like the most embarrassed your dad's ever been. He's like, God, don't do this to me. You know, I think he don't loved do it. this to me. I, I, yeah. I think, okay. I think he, he got like a sick enjoyment out of it because all the guys yeah. behind him had smirks in their face. Like they knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah, like yeah. he walked in and was yeah. like, let's watch this fucking lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, dishing so, it out. Kevin, do you have anything that you wanted? 
you want to get in, you want to say before we wrap it up here? Honestly, just that, uh, I don't know. Like I, I kind of always offer this up. Like if, if, if anybody's got any questions, whether it be about my recovery or my business or your business or your recovery or your just anything, like if there's any way I can add value to uh, the community, just like, don't feel free to direct message me, man. And if it takes me a couple of days to get back from a request, like don't feel like some sort of way that I'm, I'm intentionally, but I really do try my best to like return every message that I get. And, uh, you know, I just always put that out there that if anybody wants to chat, just hit me up and, uh, and yeah, that's about it. Go follow us on the, on the, on the Instagram if you, if you would like, and that's about it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. Yes. So, uh, Raven, Raven LLC or is it Raven Builders LLC? dot com it's so uh, the website is raven llc.com still raven L- yeah okay from right. day one brother that's the raven, day one raven llc.com and if you want to go check them yeah. out on instagram at raven builders yeah be the uh 100,000 and first follower for kevin yeah if you're uh yeah and if you're if you're in uh, if you're in rhode island or southeastern Connecticut, just shoot me a resume. You know, there's any if there's any young men or women out there that are interested in like building, right? I I always say that like we have a contact on our website, so like you could just shoot a resume over, and if we aren't hiring at the moment, it'll get put in line for sure. Awesome. Well, Kevin, I appreciate it again. Everybody, you can follow me at the Construction Mentor on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple. What's the other one? Oh yeah, YouTube. What's that one called? Kevin, I appreciate you hopping.